Hello, and welcome to Humanities Matter, brought to you by Brill. I'm Lee Chung Greco, and this week we'll be looking at key issues in the field of humanities. Today, I'm sitting down with Joel West. He is the author of The Sign of the Joker, The Clown Prince of Crime as a Sign. And so, Joel, tell us a little bit more uh, about this paper. I'm curious, uh, how did you get to write an academic paper about the Batman character, the Joker? So that's actually interestingly. Thank you for asking. Um, I started off... um, and, and I'm just finishing my master's degree at this point, but I, I, in, when I was doing my undergrad, one of my classes was a class called um, Modeling Evil and Disease. And the professors, there were one a philosopher, one a, a medical doctor, um, tried to give us an idea of what is evil, what is disease, how do we create that in our society, what, what, do, what do we consider these things to be? And, for that class, I wrote a paper um, called The Joker on the Couch, a case study, um, which became, I guess, the seed for this uh, larger monograph, this larger work. So that's interesting, because um, later on in your paper, you sort of ask the question of, is the Joker insane? Um, and what does that mean? Kind of one of the only consistent things about the Joker that we see in all of his different versions throughout all the different comics uh, over the last 80 years or so now that he's been around. Um, The only consistent thing about the Joker is that he is described as insane or a crazy clown, something within that. Um, Do we ever find out if he's actually insane? and, And how do you define that? Okay, so that's a problem because we don't know. And in, in, we, we have a problem in our culture about what is evil versus what is sanity. And so we like in many cases, and, 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 and I'm, I'm going to, these are very fine definitions. What is evil? And evil is a moral thing. It is the opposite of good, if you will. So we have good and we have evil. And so if you're doing things that harm people, then we presume that you're evil. But what we've done in modernity then is said, well, sanity is good thinking. Sanity is healthy thinking. Sanity is proper, quote unquote, thinking. So given that fact, if sanity is proper thinking, then evil is improper thinking. And what do we call improper thinking? We call that insanity. Are the two things really congruent? Are they the same thing? Not necessarily. Because one of the things that we've done with insanity is we've said that people who are insane are not responsible for the things that they've done. We have a a term, a legal term in Latin, non compos mentis. So if somebody is not capable of understanding that they've done evil, are they sane? You know, if, if somebody has gone out to properly harm somebody, are they, and these are hard questions and we don't have answers to them in our culture. So what we do is we say, oh, that's crazy or that's insane. Um, an example uh, I think would be, uh, and to, to make a large example, take it way out there, um, is was Adolf Hitler insane? And, and that's a hard question because if he was insane, then he wasn't responsible. 
But if he was sane, that makes him a monster. We don't have room in our culture these days for monsters. Um, we, we really haven't made that space. And I think that's part of the reason we see a resurgence now of kind of occultish movies and, and horror movies from every now and then, because we really don't have that space. So that's interesting because you also explore whether Batman is insane as well. Um, the Joker and all of his different permutations talks about the fact that he has been driven insane by one bad day. So whether that's him failing as a stand-up comic or something going wrong when he gets involved in crime, he has been driven insane by what's happening in society around him. And the Joker tries to say that Batman is insane because he also had one bad day. You know, his parents are murdered and then Batman decides to avenge their death by donning a bat suit and fighting crime, which doesn't really seem like a sane reaction. So uh, did you find out through your research whether you could define um, if Batman is sane or not? See, and that's, that's uh, all of this. There's so much in that question. So I, I'm going to take it and I'm going to, let's, I mean, let's look at even at the history of the Joker. Uh, if we look at the Joker um, from the 1930s, 1940, 1930, late 1930s, early 1940s, the Joker originally started off as a quote unquote hoodlum, but mm -hmm. not necessarily insane. And it's only later uh, incarnations of the Joker that they decided, oh, okay, we're going to make him crazy now, and we're going to make him this clown, and we're going to do all these other things. And, and so it's, it's only over time that this has happened. Uh, just the same with Batman, where he was just this guy in a, a, uh, in a suit that had this weird way of fighting crime. And then over time, became this, this great creature, this mythological idea. And so it's interesting to me that we've decided that, okay, this is the Joker. And that because we have to decide which Joker are we talking about? Are we talking about Heath Ledger, um, who was a brilliant Joker? Are we talking about Mark Hamill's uh, Joker? Uh, who, that was also a brilliant Joker. Are we talking about uh, the latest uh, version of the Joker? The question is, which one? Each one has their own um, identity in many ways. And so when we talk about the Joker as a stand-up comedian, even, we're talking about something that Alan Moore created in 1988, you know, with the killing joke. Prior to that, the Joker had been the scientist who had worked uh, in this laboratory. I think that's part of... of, of uh, of the necessity of, of the Joker is that he changes generation and for each generation so that the current version of the Joker um, is a very, very much a, he's a, a, a 2000s Joker. He's a, a Joker who, uh, fr from, from the, the Todd Phillips movie, he's a, a Joker who has been buffeted society, whom society has created, but even that Joker has problems in terms of a medical diagnosis. I mean, if we want to look at a medical 
diagnosis, if, if we want to actually say, well, what does medicine have to say about the joker? That's one thing. If we want to talk about what culture has to say about the joker, that's a completely different thing. And, and part of the problem is that culture and medicine have split and have created kind of this gulf between the sciences and the humanities. Um, so that I, I don't even know that science can talk about culture or has the language to do that. Um, and actually that's what I'm hoping to do in my doctoral work. That's a completely different aside. But the point being that there are so many different things about the Joker that has changed and have had to change. I mean, not too many folks know that the Joker had his own comic book even. You know, he was the hero of his own comic book for, uh, was it 10 issues? And they finally got rid of it because it didn't sell well. But the point is that they had this thing and it existed. Um, and there are little bits of lore that kind of have appeared and then kind of vanished. And, and I think that those are, are, those are the things that fascinate me. These kind of, here's this little twig and let's follow that to, oh, there's no leaf at the end of this. Let's see if there's another twig that we can follow that's similar to that. Um, you would mention all those different origin stories um, and his failures as a stand-up comic. I always thought that was part of the Joker canon in the same way that Batman losing his parents was. But apparently that is part of this practice called retconning, which pops up in comics a lot. What is retconning and how's that used in comics to tell stories about the characters? Well, and that's interesting. Uh, so retcon is, is a, it's a portmanteau word, meaning retroactive continuity. And we, here we have the whole idea of continuity. So that, um, you know how Star Wars folks start talking about how Han Solo shot first and then how that was changed. Um, between various uh, editions of, of Star Wars Episode Four, and and so, is it canon that 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 Han shot first, or did he not? And and there are arguments over this. So the whole idea is: is there a complete history to a character? Does a character have a real history, a beginning and a middle and an end, much like we do? And and the answer to that is that's impossible, of course, because the Joker doesn't age. Here is the Joker just has not aged. He's what over eighty years old now, and yet he hasn't aged. Batman is over eighty years old, and he hasn't aged. So the question then is, if the characters aren't aging, they still have to change. Their stories have to become fresh. They have to exist today somehow. They have to kind of fit with kind of an ethos uh, that, that exists. The uh, the uh, zeitgeist, as they would call it, probably. Um, and and so, and, and I'm using the term zeitgeist here in, in the technical sense, not in the in 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 the uh, popular culture sense, but in the sense that. Um, you know, Hegel would say that there is a world spirit that dominates every era of history. And in this sense, the Joker, as he changes, or Batman, as he changes, 
or even the various robins as they change uh, represent various different zeitgeists, different world spirits. So the question really is this then is, how can we do that? How, how do we do that? And so sometimes we can do it very clumsily and sometimes we can just say, oh, by the way, Joker's hair is purple now. And, and we don't give a reason for that. And people go, okay, I guess this has happened and we don't know why and there's no real reason behind it, but that's fine. Uh, sometimes what comic books do is they will start branches of universes. And so there will be several versions of a character uh, existing, quote unquote, at the same time, although what they say in different timelines. Um, or what will happen is they will just do retroactive continuity and they'll say, oh, by the way, this character was always like that. We just didn't know that. And here's a new piece of information we're going to give you about this character that makes it fuller. Uh, and an example of that would be, um, I guess, The Thing, um, who is Ben Grimm from, from the Fantastic Four, and whom we knew as a character, and suddenly, in the 80s, um, happened to mention to somebody that he is Jewish. And we go, oh, okay, so we haven't mentioned this, but now, We've, we've presumed that he is default, whatever that means, and then suddenly he becomes Jewish. Uh, it happens with other characters when suddenly uh, we discover that Dumbledore is queer. Out of nowhere. I mentioned the Dumbledore uh, example. Uh, J.K. Rowling seems to be the queen of retconning. It seems that every few years she sprinkles uh, new breadcrumbs about different characters. And sometimes it's a, it's a big part of the character, like Dumbledore being queer, and other times it will be something so random and inconsequential <laughs> for a character. Like Anthony Weinstein is Jewish. Who knew? And who is he? But, but there you have it. Yes, so example like that. Um, but the point being that... Um, Many times this will give more of a depth to the character. Sometimes it will allow us to take the character in a different storyline or a different plot point. And so that's, that's what retconning does. Um, sometimes they do it miraculously. Uh, Barbara Gordon is, as we recall in The Killing Joke, oh, by the way, spoilers, um, was, was maimed and, and, and had to after that, I uh, was, was in a wheelchair and until suddenly she wasn't. Um, was it useful? I don't know. Was it on purpose? I don't know. Um, and in many cases, what, what happens is that comic book storylines become so heavy and they become so, how much do we have to remember that they just say, you know what, we're just going to stop everything happens here, we're going to kill off some characters, and sometimes they've been killed off, um, and then reappear much later on again, because that's also part of the ecology of comic books, that nobody who dies actually stays dead. Um, 
But yeah, no, this, that's how retconning works. It, it kind of allows you to either add new points or to kind of clear the ecology. For Again, for example, we knew that the Batman was a hero. And then we start to add to his backstory. We start to let folks know. And that, that story becomes canon. Um, but then let's say we want to add something to that. Or let's say we want to change that. That's where we do the retconning. I'm also fascinated by this idea that so many of the Joker's origin stories are incongruous. Um, and that also feels like an integral part of his identity. We see that in The Dark Knight with Heath Ledger's Joker. It seems like we never really know why he got those scars. We don't know if his narrative is reliable, whether any of those stories that he's telling are actually true because they're all different. Um, and so you talk about these competing storylines that the Joker has. Um, but we also see that with some of the other villains in the Batman comics, like Selina Kyle, also known as Catwoman, for example. She has many different competing origin stories or in those different universes, as you talk about. Um, so I'm wondering how the Joker is really different from some of those other characters. Like, is this something particular to the Joker that he has um, storylines that don't exactly match up, that he doesn't have one canon like Batman does? Again, that's really interesting, and, and it, it, it needs to be unpacked. And, and, and it's important to note, for example, that Selena Kyle is Catwoman. Edward Enigma is Joker. That um, Penguin has, we know who the Penguin is. We know who Scarecrow is. Nobody knows who the Joker is. And that's part of his his... I think his mistake, there's, we can't go back and say, oh, this guy, he was the Joker. We can't say, this is where the Joker plausibly came from. We can make up all sorts of stories. Was he a failed comedian? Possibly. Was he a lab tech or, or, or a genius scientist? Probably. But those are incongruous backstories. So how do we then decide who and, and what he is? I mean, Selena Kyle, we know, Catwoman. Um, Oswald Cobblepot, Penguin. But we don't know who the Joker was. And, and we want to know. In general, I think we want to know. And I think it's the fact that he's so mercurial in that sense, that we don't even know where he comes from. I, I mean, in others, I, 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 I've heard people talk about, well, there's an archetype, uh, a, a, a trickster archetype. But I think that that's really kind of, of simple and simplistic. I think that, yes, there is this trickster archetype. But I think the Joker's several archetypes. He's more than one. He's... He is kind of all the dark archetypes. He is the shadow. You know, he is the, the evil that kind of lurks within us as well. These are dark sides that we don't want to see. I think that he is also 
yes, he's the trickster who wants to play tricks and sometimes does good, fine. Sometimes he doesn't do good. But, but, and in many cases, and, and, and there folks who have sometimes suggested, there's an erotic component to the Joker. And although, again, I personally don't see it, it exists out there in fan fiction. Um, so, so I guess the point I'm trying to make here is that while the Joker definitely, you know, he's compelling, we don't know anything. We, we, we can't say anything fixed about him at any time even. Where we can say, at least we know X about Selena Kyle. At least we know X about Cobblepot. At least we know X about Jonathan Crane, that he is the scarecrow. At least we know why about Edward Nigma that he is the Riddler. The Joker, who knows? Uh, one of the things that I thought about a lot reading your piece, I know you say that each Joker is a reflection of another Joker, that there's not one Joker uh, that is sort of the archetype. Um, but to me, I always thought that Heath Ledger was the best version of the Joker because you couldn't nail down what his character was. Whereas the Joker that we saw in Todd Phillips movie, um, we have this really in-depth exploration into why he became the Joker. And, you know, you see all of the reasons in society why he sort of fell apart. Um, are we beginning to over-explain the Joker now at this point? Are we losing some of that mystery that makes him so interesting in the first place? I don't think so. I think that each generation has its own mysteries around the Joker. So when we look at um, the Jack Nicholson Joker, as an example, the Jack Nicholson Joker is a hood and he's a good Joker. And he's a good Joker for his time. And I think that each Joker really reflects who he is of his time then. So that Heath Ledger's Joker really reflects that, that era. Um, that he's kind of, evil kind of exists within us and kind of pops up out of nowhere. Whereas the 2019 Joker is more of a, well, we need a rationale behind this. There, there must be something to explain this. Even though it is evil, maybe the evil is also us and maybe it is who we are. And I think that's also important at the same time to, to look at these things and say, well, what does each Joker say? And, and, and that's the point again. What does each Joker say about us? Because really, as, as, as I say, the Joker's kind of a Rorschach test. He's kind of, uh, we look at him and see ourselves in many ways. Well, I could talk about your paper all day, but we do have to go. Uh, thank you so much, Joel, uh, for talking with us. Uh, Joel West, his paper is The Sign of the Joker, The Clown Prince of Crime as a Sign. Joel, thanks again for being here. Thank you so much. You are listening to the Humanities Matter podcast. You can find more podcast episodes on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Google Podcast.